from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay and the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on like Instagram check it out. Uh, they've got some really good summer deals, and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between Find loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, T.B. Spitzer in Farmer Days, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am your host, and along with me is my co-host, David Farmer Dave Heath. Dave, how's it going? I am doing well. And you are the host with the most, and I am the co-host with the co-most? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, what was that sound I just heard? Is that like a jet? Dave's corner of the podcast. Dave's No, that was just traffic. Oh, just traffic. Okay. That's uh, people. People drive in the country very, very fast, ah. which is not a smart thing to do, because in the state of Oregon, livestock has the legal right away. Yeah, yeah. You yep, get that's... a livestock, and it doesn't matter. It jumps out in front of you. Uh huh. You know, you're legally responsible. Yeah, yeah. This is rural Oregon, people. Where are you going? Why is it so important that you get there quickly? They gotta get to boring fast. It must be. Enjoy the, enjoy Mount Hood and the trees and the rivers. Definitely, definitely. All right. Enough of the uh, local flavor section. Uh, so, again, we're talking about Narlethotep, or Narlethotep, or 
Gnarly Hothep or whatever you want to say. Um, so we're talking about two aspects and those aspects are Athu from the Congo and Akushinkage from Japan. Yes. So the first one in this form, uh, Athu, Athu? I'm sorry, what was his name? Athu? <laughs> in this form, Narlethotep appears as a mound of uh, viscous material with several golden tentacles sprouting from its central mass. Um, it's worshippers are generally deformed, locals, uh, and sometimes uh, Europeans that show up. Uh, the cult itself uh, is a revolutionary organization. Uh, opposed to Belgians, uh, the cult calls Atu by using a golden bracelet usually separated into two parts to prevent Atu from being summoned by accident. Some have suggested a link between Atu and the Cambodian god, Angka. Um, and uh, Atu, I believe, is a creation of Keith Herber for... Uh, um, Call of Cthulhu, Delta oh, Delta Green, but also Call of Cthulhu's Africa campaign? Afri uh, possibly Secrets of Kenya? Yeah, Secrets of Kenya, there you although, go. Although, Kenya and the, the Congo. Uh, in Kenya, I don't think, so maybe not. Yeah, 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 no. And, I think um, that was a, Kenya was a English, I don't know, but it, it's very, so, you know, and, and honestly, when we were bringing it up, uh, uh -huh. I could find anything on Athu, but when you when you say that, um, I don't think Americans really understand what, and and I know I don't mean this to insult anyone now, but just the the history of what the Belgians did in Africa. Oh yeah, yeah. And when I was a real little child, and I don't remember it now, but I do have a degree in history. Mm -hmm. There were these. Uh, in the Congo, so it's probably like Secrets of Congo or something. Uh -huh. uh, and the Cong Congolese and the uprising, they were just extremely bloody civil war. Yeah. And as such, a lot of that I could see where where there are a lot of horror aspects there. Yeah. 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 I I can't say that I am. Uh super duper aware but i just know that it wasn't the greatest and uh yeah some uh unfortunate things uh were the result of it but i mean that's colonialism in general right yeah, absolutely and, and and again this is not sort of a flicker but i i could see where where the jungle uh, you know, violent. I see, you know, not to make light of a, a real historical place in mm -hmm. an event, but I could see where it just would be a scary setting and then sprinkle it with, you know, the supernatural. Oh, um, and also, Dead of Night is from uh, Arkham Unveiled. So, which is. The, the one with the ghoul on the tombstone, and then there's the church steeple and the full moon. Okay, so, I have that. I'll have to read I, it. I have that, too, in another state, so <laughs> that doesn't help. But, yeah, um, so, hey, if... if you have uh, to read a different state of con consciousness before you can read it? Exactly. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I have the uh, one that has the little red corner, not the one that has, like, the white border. So I think I have, like, the fifth or sixth edition. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a two or a thu. So A thu to a thu. Yeah. Uh, who, who, who else do we have? We have, uh... So we have Yeah. Which is another form of Narlatep. Yep, yep. And it, too, and this is, I think, the interesting thing in both these cases. Yeah. This comes from a rare, obscure tome 
from the year of our Lord 2005. Yeah. The Secrets <laughs> of Japan. Now, Chaosium made a bunch of the, the Secrets book. Secrets of Japan is going to be different than almost all of them. I mean, there's Secret of New York, Secret of New Orleans, Secret of Los Angeles, Secret of Kenya, Secrets of Australia. Secrets of San Francisco. Secrets of San Francisco is a great one. Um, most of these books are set in the 20s. Yeah. Secrets of Japan is going to be set in modern time. Now, um, the, the, the person that wrote most of it was an expat who had lived in Japan. So he puts a lot of Japanese culture in it, a lot of Japanese history. Yeah. But it's also going to be very influenced uh, by uh, manga and uh, anime, which you don't you, you don't really see a lot of adventure and excitement. I mean, you know, uh, chases and stuff until you get like Kapuru Pulp. Yeah, but we have some of this. We also have things in th in um, Secrets of Japan, such as uh, you know, uh, Temple Priest. So it's a very anime influenced book. Okay. But at the same part, it like holds on to the uh, the 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 core concepts of Call of Cthulhu, and it has some really, I think. Um, I'm, I, I think that it, I think it does well to blend Japanese folklore, uh -huh. mythology, and urban legends into the Call of Cthulhu world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Now it's a it's a really hard book to get now. Uh, I lucked out. I bought mine probably like in the first month of out. Uh -huh. But I was just looking to see. Uh, I don't, I I don't see it in any of the places where I buy PDFs available. Uh, a hard copy is like 180 bucks. That's crazy. Uh, and it was for it was for um, 5.6 and 6. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know I used it in four. It's not that big of a difference between fourth edition and sixth edition. Okay. Uh, but I don't know if they have any plans on reprinting it for seventh edition. Seventh edition isn't too far from fifth or sixth. It's just. <laughs> They He's do some of the math, math for you. <laughs> you don't have to multiply by 10 for some things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And uh, in the past, we haven't necessarily hopped on top of uh, things from the role-playing games. But I have to say, um, it is neat to get different aspects of Naralethotep from different cultures and different parts of the world at different times and you know it's 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 really it shows you the depth and the lengths of what Naralethotep partially does i mean we're talking about something that is 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 like you know the voice of a god and also the messenger of a god <laughs> yes, and, and, and the fact that the, the uh, Akushin Kaje is des designed for the role-playing game, uh -huh, uh -huh. it's a completely different writing style. Yeah. And, and what I mean by this is, you know, we know that Lovecraft wrote things that he did not use in his stories. Yeah. Like the name of the character from, uh, uh, you know, Sh uh, Shadow of Rinsman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We know some of the little below-the-iceberg stuff because he put it in letters. Yeah, yeah. When you're writing for a RPG, mm -hmm. you basically do a complete sort of data dump on the, char on the character of the creation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you let the game master, the keeper, pick and choose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, one thing, too, um, and, you know, this is that avatar of uh Narlatep or however you pronounce it uh -huh. Narla Narlatep is of course public domain yeah this yeah. was only created in 2005 so this particular aspect is copyrighted yes yeah yeah there's 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 very few and we'll point them out when they are public domain so you can you know 
sweep them up and uh, go crazy with your Narlethotep fanfic or uh, comic book or whatnot. Mm. So and, and and the other thing is Akushinkate, yes. you know, is a form of Narlethotep or Narlethotep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it also has multiple forms. It's oh. appeared at different times as a ninja clan leader, okay. uh, a politician. So it's a multiple forms of a creature that has multiple forms. Do all forms have mouths where the face should be? So I believe it does because I believe some of them actually come in and, and come into do business. I think there's a version that's a businessman, there's another that's a, a, a ninja clan leader. Yeah. Uh, so I think there are some that on the surface look ex- exactly human. Yeah, yeah. And this this avatar of Narlethotep, in my opinion, sounds very much... It reminds me of a uh, uh, mm. yokai. Is that the... Like uh, Japanese spirits, yokai. I think that's. Uh, we are probably correct. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of them, I, I, I'm, I'm that guy who reads a lot. Okay. And, and I, I have actually go ahead and then I'll tell you an entertaining story. All right. Well, uh, you know, yokai spirits, uh, kind of what a lot of uh, monsters in Japanese anime are based off of whether it be uh, big giant things or little tiny spirity things uh, that, you know, those Miyazaki films and a bunch of Pokemans and whatnot. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, no, no, but but there's, there's like, you know, giant skeletons or ladies without faces or um, people who look normal until they bend over and pull up their robes and there's an eye where the butthole should be. That's a real yokai. <laughs> you won't see that on Yokai Watch um, or Pokemon. Uh, and, you know, there's there's like all kinds of different ones. And they have different stories. And you can have like slipper yokai and umbrella yokai. And it's just like something about like a samurai with multiple mouths. It sounds like cosmic horror, but it also kind of sounds like a yokai. Anyway, Dave. So, so, so yes, you're right. Because one of his powers is to create yokai. Oh, cool. But here, so when I was a, my first year at UCLA, I was in uh, uh, Shintoism, Buddhism, and Japanese folk religion. Oh, cool. And eventually, I got a B- in the class. Nice. But my first, the midterm, I got a D-plus on that. Because I took all of these notes, and I was really good. But when it came on the test to write down, yeah, the ways I spelled these words uh-huh. were not the way they were written. Oh, the you mean the the, the Romaji, or was this in, like, Katakana and Hiragana? And... No, this was English. Okay, okay, okay. This was English. So it was, so the question was, you know, what is this? Oh, and I looked at it. Gotcha. I don't know what this is. Gotcha, gotcha, And then gotcha. when you went over it, I go, Oh, I knew what that was. I didn't realize that's how you spelled it. Yeah, when I was in high school, uh, from 92, 93, 94, those school years, I studied Japanese and Japanese culture. And, like, I didn't have an exchange student live with me, but a lot of my friends did who were in the class. Anyway, but, yeah, I studied Japanese for a couple of years there. Um, and then when I left high school, I never studied it again. And every once in a while, I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh, I know what that means. Or I'll see a character and I'll be like, I know what that means. Or I'll, like, cobble something together to, like, impress someone. It's like, yeah, that's not very impressive. I sound worse than a toddler. <laughs> but yeah, 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 no, Japanese culture, uh, I, I, I... I, I, not, not in like a fetishizing way, but just like, uh, the infrastructure and stuff like that, I find pretty fascinating. I had a friend who lived in Japan for a number of years, 
and he, he would take photos of the infrastructure for me because I thought it was so cool. It was like all put in in the 80s, like the uh, infrastructure for Japan was like, had this massive update in the 80s and the stuff is like taken care of. So you have like this high tech stuff from the 80s that still works perfectly well for like, anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about that. But hey, well, well, you know, if you're doing are, Secrets of Japan, you might yeah. think about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing too is the Japanese have really, I think in the last decade, yeah. turned towards Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. not only Lovecraft, but you, you see a lot of the role-playing game stuff so forth are now coming out in, in Japanese. Uh, yeah. And about three or four years ago, maybe it was three years ago, mm -hmm. at the Lovecraft Film Festival, where uh, Necronama Idol yeah. Yeah. came, which is a... I was amazed by him. It's basically a female J-pop band who sings, among other things, Latin. Oh. You know? Uh, and it just... You know, you know, songs about Azathoth and Ralahotep. Uh, and they, a lot of Lovecraftian things are making their way into manga. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like Lovecraftian things making their way into manga has been something that's been happening since, like, the 50s or 60s. But that's my opinion. Uh, and also, like, like, there is some, like, kaiju that I feel are very kind of, like, just on the cusp of being Lovecraftian creatures. Anytime yeah. you see a uh, squid monster fighting a uh, Power Ranger team, I'm like, huh, that, that's uh, but pretty close to Cthulhu, who's public domain. And, you know, you can do whatever you want with Cthulhu. No one owns Cthulhu. Yeah, and, and, and there's a lot of, I think, Japanese mythology that, such as, you know, they have... A race of shark men that is very close to the deep ones. They're just oh, yeah. shark-like. Oh yeah. Uh, and if you really decide that, you know, the deep ones just are not tough enough, violent enough, strong enough, mm -hmm. you could just make them shark deep ones. Yeah, yeah, and tie that into um, like uh, Polynesian um, yeah. mythology about like cannibals and shark people, and you've got yourself a stew, baby. Yeah, a meaty shark stew. <laughs> all right. Well, so that's about all I know about Akushin Kage, or Kage, or however it's pronounced. Yeah. But um, it, it has only been around for about seventeen years. Sure, sure, definitely, definitely. So yeah, and uh, that's uh, Akushin Kage and Athu. And up next, we will be doing some D and D on D and D. And, uh, but first some ads so that we can pay the bills. So I... And how do you spell ad? A-D... Is it? No. Is there two Ds in... Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It's just Advanced Dragons. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we gotta pay the bills somehow so that I'm not paying this whole out of pocket. <laughs> yes. Because those teeth fees are expensive. So, check out Copper Cow. Check out uh, the show notes. And uh, I'm not drinking Copper Cow right now because it is almost 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And that would be crazy. <laughs> I would be up all night. All right. See you after the break, everyone. Hey, everyone. It's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on folks, check out the show notes 
get a glary. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. T-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool T-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shower curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon. And get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. everyone it's D&D on D&D and Dave and I are gonna actually like talk about D&D a little bit differently uh, this week uh, something I wanted to go over just real quick is the races of D&D and these are just like the basic races we're not talking about any like special races from any books or anything these are just your common run-of-the-mill Dungeons and Dragons characters if people the want core, the core races. yeah the core um, so, so I think that anytime we have to bring this up we got to kind of mention at least in the beginning mm-hmm. that that races were basically the, the equivalent of classes yeah 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 we're talking first, fighter, you were first war. yeah we're talking first edition straight out of chainmail kind of stuff <laughs> the stuff that your 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 dad or your uncle has uh, tucked away in some uh, back attic somewhere <laughs> with their college stuff <laughs> and their old wargaming figurines made out of lead. Uh, yeah, but and, and I think we also one of the most famous, of course, race is the halfling. Yeah, yeah, and so so. There was a lawsuit brought against D&D by, of all people, the widow of J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Because First Printing had Hobbit. And basically, they settled out of court um, that they would just go to halflings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and sort of describe them and, and not use the term Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's start off with uh, one of the first uh, races that you'll run across in Dungeons and Dragons alphabetically, and that is the Dwarf. Uh, they get a plus two to Constitution. Uh, they have things like Dark Vision, Dwarven Resilience, Dwarven Combat Training, Stone Cutting. Uh, the sub races are Hill Dwarf, Mountain Dwarf, and suggested classes are Cleric, Fighter, Barbarian, and Druid. So, Dave, what can you tell us about dwarves? Well, I, and again, personally, you know, as a short, stocky, bearded human being, uh-huh, uh-huh. as I grow older, I am more aligned <laughs> and sympathetic. I, at first, I thought dwarves were just as lousy. For decades ago, I was a kid, I don't want to play a dwarf. But, you know, now I've got a lot of sort of self-seeing in the yeah. dwarves. Because maybe I'm stubborn. Maybe I'm stubborn. But yeah, so I think there's a lot of... Um, I think there's a lot of Tolkien concepts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people, when they play a dwarf, play some version of Gimli. Oh, sure, But there yeah. really is... A, I mean, which is fine. Absolutely. If, you know, you want a role model? Yeah, that's fine. That's a great role model. Yeah. 
Uh, but I think there's a lot of other things that you can put into dwarves. You know, they just don't have to be the hard drinkers. Uh, you know, they can be um, something other be... than a blacksmith. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you're right. They they do have get wisdom bonuses. Uh, I think dwarves make great paladins. Yeah. Hey, I have a, a, a current dwarf paladin, but he he doesn't use the p word. Gotcha. He, he's more of a he's more of, with a group of fighters that are out to do good and they don't use the p word gotcha <laughs> which surprisingly since they, they make good powder they make good clerics towards uh-huh. make good healers yeah 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 but you don't see a lot of white necromancer dwarves running around because dwarves live for quite some time and uh they don't worry about necromancy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, up next, we have the elf. Uh, plus two to dexterity when you choose. They get dark vision, key senses, fey ancestry. You're going to find high elf, wood elf, and dark elf, also known as drow or drow or however you want to say that. Uh, suggested classes, rogue ranger, wizard, and warlock. Dave, what do you got to say about that? Um, and, and again, I mean, these are very Tolkien elves. Yeah. And so the first, back when elves were like old school, you know, were basically world, they were basically magical fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and some ways that's locked into my head, you know, that they are. You know, you know, they're archers yeah. and <laughs> the, the archers, the arcane, you know, the the, the arcane knights. Yeah. You know, the yeah, yeah, you're um, you, you cross, um, you you know, you you multi-class, you know, uh, mage, magic type character, martial character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was, I think, um. I think there's more opportunities now. Uh, I think a lot of people, though, um, again, they have a very Tolkien view of what elves are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is okay, because Gygax had a very Tolkien view of what elves are. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, Speaking of Tolkien... The first paragraph in the next description, small humanoids almost identical to the Hobbit of J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth. Mm. <laughs> Though without the thick foot hair and round front doors. That's funny because that's what I always give uh, halflings because they're hobbits. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and I think it was Dragonlance uh-huh. when they decided they were really going to start pushing the books. Uh-huh. And so they decided that they were, they had something to have other than halflings, so they made the kinder. Kinder, yeah, yeah. Which are basically thin hobbits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have the halfling. Uh, they get a plus two to their dexterity. They're lucky, they're brave, they're nimble. And their sub-races are lightfoot and stout. They make good rangers, rogues, and bards. What do you have to say about that, Dave? Um... So yeah, I think that they're they're a fun class. Uh-huh. Uh and, and again, everybody plays a halfling. They think they're they're thinking Hobbit. Yeah. Uh, and but and we get I think this thought of you know Bilbo was a thief. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, we talk a lot about it on this show. Clark Ashton Smith had thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert E. Howard had thieves. But I really think that Bilbo and Frodo were the prototype for the the rogue or thief class. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. I've known a lot of people in second edition who decided to play Halfling Rangers and in third edition uh, Pathfinder as well. And they were like just these tiny killing machines. <laughs> Who chose like humanoid as their their chosen uh, enemy type? But yeah, yeah. No, I I have to say I 
I rarely have I played a halfling. It's it's probably been a decade or so since I've played a halfling. But halflings are fun. Halflings are... Mm. And you don't generally like go, oh, I'm going to play a halfling necromancer. I'm going to play a gloomy halfling. I'm going to play a sad halfling. It's like, no, I'm going to have fun. I may not take the game seriously because I'm playing a halfling, or I'm not going to maybe not take my party seriously because I am a halfling. I may take half of their stuff and run off in the night and just roll up a new character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So after that, we've got. Um, I don't know if it's one of the best or one of the most boring, but humans. You get plus one to all your ability scores or plus one and two ability scores, one feat and one skill proficiency. Uh, so I think that the alt humans is kind of overrated. Yeah, yeah. I know people who love it. Yeah. They think that, especially because feats are so limited in fifth edition uh -huh. that I know people that they're, they're willing to take human just because they want that, that feat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like it's worth it. Um, humans can pretty much be whatever they want to be. Um, that's that's the thing about being a human in D&D is... You want a monk? You just make your character for a monk. You, you, you want to be a cleric? You just make your character for a cleric. You want to be a rogue? Make a rogue. And, uh... Yeah, it's... I mean, you can't, like, uh... Hmm. You can't like min-max it nearly as much as say like a dwarven cleric but you, you can figure stuff out so that you can create a fairly powerful fighter or wizard yeah and you know i like that aspect i'm not much of a min-maxer yeah i respect that min-maxing is an art mm -hmm. i grudgingly accept min-maxing <laughs> and that people can do it well i respect that All but right. i i like generalists <laughs> and, and just that whole idea, especially if you're using the point array. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that plus one, you know, there's something psychological to me between rolling something plus zero as opposed to rolling something minus one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and so the fact that you, you're doing point array, you get everything's plus one, you only get like one negative stat. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I... I I mean, I definitely, if you, I get playing other races. I play other races. And I know people who have told me, well, I am a human. I want to be something else. <laughs> you have more power to you. But at the same point, I think that if it's a new player, sure, you know, you see in Lord of the Rings, you want to be one of these races. But at the same point, you know, if you're a brand new character, there's no shame in your first character or your hundredth character a human oh yeah yeah no and you know humans can be fun and also they are the most prevalent in dungeons and dragons that's kind of their thing they're everywhere they're 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 the ones who rule the kingdoms they're the ones who ferry you across the river and make you know possibly if you have that kind of dungeon master they make mean comments about your elven boots but enough of that I mean, you don't have to add that kind of stuff into your Dungeons and Dragons. You don't have to make orcs hate elves, or elves and dwarves be crabby towards each other, or whatever Dragonborn do. Uh, Dragonborn, uh, their ability is plus two to strength, plus one charisma, their traits, they get a breath weapon, and damage resistance. Uh, they have dragon ancestry, and suggested classes are paladin, barbarian, and warlock. Yeah, you know, I've never, I've never played a Dragonborn. Yeah, me neither. I'm not sure I even had a book. I mean, I knew about them on the periphery, uh -huh. but until I got my fifth, 5e, I'm not sure I ever had a book that really covered them. I don't remember when they came out. I remember them in 4th edition, and I feel like I vaguely remember them and third edition, but I think they were I think they were Dragonlands. Uh, that's the Draconians, and they oh. have totally different abilities than the uh, what do you call them? The Dragonborn. Dragonborn. 
but I could be wrong. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and part of it, and, and I get it, but part of it is, I think it's a race design for min-maxing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, or optimizing. Oh, sure. Or, or people who begrudgingly play Dungeons and Dragons are like, well, that's cool. I'll play a dragon person. <laughs> Or a way to get your friend excited about D&D. Like, you can play a dragon person who has breath weapon. You're like, okay, cool, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, it's, 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 it's a monstrous creature. Uh, they're not born, they just kind of appear. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're uh, somehow dragons and not humans they're they're not like half dragons they're like dragon humanoids so yeah <laughs> and because of their uh charisma uh they make good warlocks um because of their charisma they make good paladins and because of their strength they make good barbarians or fighters but yeah so we have a race now that let me take a sip of water real quick okay so we have a race that I haven't played very much of but I've always had fun using them as NPCs and that's the gnome gnomes I had like I had like way back in AD&D I had a gnome named Gnome de Plume <laughs> I, I, I ran gnome campaigns. I just, I think, a lot of fun. All right. Um, and, and I think it was maybe second that really tried to make them into sort of the steampunk race. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's carried over because they still got all these tinkerers' tools and they make mechanical toys. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. And gadgeteers. They don't have to be. No. And the, they... Other thing that carries over from AD&D, mm -hmm. in fact, they made an entire uh, magic, uh, you know, class for gnomes, and that was the illusionist. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, I think, carries over. But, you know, illusionists used to be, there was magic users and illusionists and mm -hmm. clerics and druids. Yeah. And, and I think, from when you're reading, I think it was very clear that the illusionists were originally set up for gnomes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, gnomes make good wizards. Oh, hold on one second. I have an alarm going off. Gnomes make good wizards and rogues um, because of their size and uh, plus one or plus two to intelligence. Uh, their traits are small, dark vision, and gnome cunning. I mean, I think that means that they can run between your legs. Uh, and the general gnomes are forest gnomes and rock gnomes. And rock gnomes are generally the ones that are tinkerers, while forest gnomes are the ones who uh, live underneath trees and have. It was a rock gnome. <laughs> what? It's a rock lobster. Oh. <laughs> No, you were just really close to the microphone, so uh, it, it just went... <laughs> anyway, um, yes, so, so it wasn't a rock gnome. is the advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma savings against magic. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes Which sense. Which is a pretty decent... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you've got... And, and, and also, um, they don't talk about it, but you've also got Cervephalin... Sir, Sir Veff, Veffel, deep gnomes. Deep gnomes. Deep gnomes. You've got deep gnomes, which I mean, pretty much the same as the other gnomes, but deep. <laughs> they live in the underdark and they leave everyone else alone because they've got their own stuff to deal with, which is everyone else in the underdark. Uh, yeah, and they're, they're as an underdark race, they're rather benevolent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, my favorite race to play in Dungeons and Dragons is the Half-Elf. 
Uh, I really like half elves. They get a plus two to charisma uh, and plus one any ability score. So that's not bad. Yeah, yeah it's a good, a good diversity, and you know, if you're uh, again, it's just an interesting race. Mm-hmm. Anytime you've got a, a character that's caught between two cultures, it can make some interesting role playing. Oh yeah, but. You know, it's also, I think, very good for people who are maybe just learning and want to be an elf. And I mean, you can be obviously like you, an experienced player, and still be a half elf. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah I want to be an elf, but I still want maybe some of my human personality there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I personally would like to make uh, like half elf uh, bards, half elf. I mean, like they recommend warlock, sorcerer, monk, and I'm like. What about bards? <laughs> uh, they get dark vision, fey ancestry, and skill versatility, which I think I can't remember what skill versatility means. Uh, I think it, you get to like two skills as. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, and um, uh, one of the things that a lot of people are, are doing now is, is the bard lock. Mm-hmm. Which is multi-classing bard and warlock. Oh. And so, yeah, they would make really good bard locks. Yeah. Yeah. So skill versatility is two, uh, two proficiencies. Okay. Two skill proficiencies. Nice, nice. Which again, this makes. So you've got the, you got the charisma part. Oh yeah. Of the min maxing. But you got also got the skill versatility is the sort of utility. So it's got aspects of both worlds. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's nice. I, I have to recommend playing a half-elf. And you don't quite fit in with humans, and you don't quite fit in with elves, and kind of, like, meant for adventuring. You can see in dark places. You can talk your way out of stuff. You're, you know, maybe... They make good faces. Yeah. Right? Good party faces. Yeah, and I tend to be the party face. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I, I really like. I, oh man, now I want to make a warlock sorcerer or a sorcerer monk or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, one that I have never played. I've had friends who have played these and uh, typically have played these as barbarians. I think most people play them as barbarians and that would be the half-orc. Uh, yeah. Plus two to strength and plus one to constitution. Yeah, it was uh, 3.5, but I, I did a, a half-orc fighter. Yeah, yeah. But you're right, a lot of people do the barbarians because they think those yeah, my, my half orc barbarian, uh, my half orc fighter was uh, Darth Casanova. Oh, okay. But uh, um, yeah, so they just they make great bricks. Yeah, yeah, and um, dark vision, menacing, uh, relentless endurance, and savage attacks. I mean, that that all sounds like a great thing to be a barbarian or a fighter. Um, but what if? The bar, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, just wait till our bard shows up and you guys will be sorry. <laughs> and then the bard shows up and it's like a nearly seven foot tall half orc who, <laughs> who, who plays the uh, uh, <laughs> skulls of the <laughs> recently defeated. <laughs> and, and, and there's no, in five, with very few ex- exceptions, like mm-hmm. lizard people, Sure. there's almost no negative. So it's not like, you know, even 3.5, but, you know, there were negatives on attributes for races. Mm -hmm. So, so if you're willing not to min-max, but you're willing to be more of a utility character, Mm -hmm. you know, you can put your lower strength, take like a 12 in strength and become 14, so you got a plus 2, and then put your high stats in charisma. There's no penalty for it. It's just you're not going to reach that 18 to start. Yeah, yeah. And here's another one that, I mean, you might as well say, oh, half-elf. But it's not a half-elf. It's a half-devil or half-demon or quarter-devil, quarter-demon or um, one-fifty-sixth demon. It's, it's, or, 
you were born on a day that a holy war from hell busted out and broke through your prime material plane. And you were born at the same time that the seal was broken, releasing demonic energies into your prime material plane, and you absorbed some of that energy. And everyone else in your town did, who was, or in your region, who was born in that time. And that's how your game got tieflings. But you could do a lot with tieflings, um, because they're smart and they're charismatic. As I said, it's kind of like a half elf. Uh, I, have... I think I think tieflings are the new drow. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say uh, tieflings are kind of like the half elf of the planier uh, roll uh, uh, campaigns. But yeah, they get dark vision, hellish resistance, and infernal legacy, which I can't remember what those do. And they make really good warlocks, sorcerers, and wizards, but. They don't mention bards, which I think a tiefling would make a really good bard if you're going to min-max the heck out of stuff. Um, so I made a, a, a tiefling uh, uh, druid. Oh, okay. He was trying to escape his, his demonic, or demonic nature by, you know, applying to nature nature. Okay. Um, so, and like I said, I think one of the reasons, I, I said that there was really no penalties, and there aren't really stat penalties. Sure, yeah. But the one one race that really gets a penalty uh-huh. is the drow. Okay. And to me, because of, so tieflings get night vision. Yeah. Uh, and um, so drow, th- th- they like, almost burn up in light. Yeah, yeah. So, to me, that aspect, unless you're going to, unless you're going to nerf that, mm-hmm. or if you're going to um, uh, be like a, an underdark, yeah. to me, drows are almost unplayable in 5e. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, uh, my solution for that is you don't necessarily play drow, but you play a half drow, so you have the appearance of a drow, but none of yeah. the extra bits. None of the really awesome magic-y stuff and none of the burny uppy in the sun. Yeah. So, so um, Eternal, uh, Eternal Legacy, Yeah. you get uh, the Thumaturgy spell and okay. then Hellish Rebuke at level 3. Oh, okay. And then at 5, you can cast Darkness Very as cool. free spells, even if you're not... A spellcaster. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I always like it when you get, like, little extra spells for, like, even if you're not a spellcaster. And if I choose, you know, that race or that whatever uh, for for spellcaster, it's like, ooh, I get extra stuff. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, I think that's all we have for today um, for D&D. Uh, Dave, Dave, do you have a favorite combo of race and class. Um, so it really kind of, I tend to be the, the utility player. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I t- often take over the healer. And so I've been sort of toying with idea, healer ideas that are not clerics. And not, nothing wrong with a cleric. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing, like I said, a dwarf paladin or uh, a, tef- a tiefling druid in <laughs> uh, campaign. Um, so I, the, I've kind of, I, I mean, you t- humans are always, you know, you always end up playing a human somehow, uh-huh. but, uh, I, I'm doing a lot more dwarves and, uh, uh, tieflings. And, and then of course, if you have tieflings, you do have their celestial companions, the Azimar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I haven't played an Azimar, but I, I think I'd be interested just in sort of the nature. I know a lot of people go for Fallen Azamar. Yeah. But I guess kind of maybe like the idea of being just so not self-righteous, mm-hmm. but so assured that what you're doing is right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if, if, if your group doesn't mind paladins, um, just like the out-of-the-box paladin of <laughs> the Azamar. Yeah. Not AMSR. Uh, and, yeah. So, uh, me, I mean, I think I said it before, but uh, half-elf, multi-class. Uh, 
Like, I love a half-elf fighter wizard. I love a half-elf uh, fighter thief. I love a half-elf fighter elf, uh, fighter mage thief. I mean, in, in second edition, I used to always make half-elf fighter mage thief. Just half-elf multi-class. And go crazy. It's like, oh yeah, no, I can't cast as many spells as you, but I can climb up that wall, say hello to the beholders. <laughs> yeah. Not that beholders can't fly up and then get you, which that, anyway. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of half-elf multi-class, and I'm not sure of the multi-class rules in 5th edition, and I haven't had a chance to do anything other than uh, DM it, so... <laughs> yeah, and, and there's like maybe limitations on spells and certain attributes that, or certain class advantages you sure. don't get because they sort of would double up. But it does give you a wide choice okay. of, make, of customizing characters. Okay, cool. And uh, if you want to customize a character out there, there's a lot of, uh, well, there's a handful of good uh, 5e character generators out there Dungeons and Dragons makes one but if you want to get more advanced things or different classes different things that aren't in the core SRD or uh, more than three yeah and uh, yeah yeah so you, you can check that stuff online uh, D&D Beyond has it and you can build a character and you can level that character. I think you can keep up to like six characters on it. But yeah, um, I was thinking it was three, but I think you're right. It's six. I think for the for the freebie. For the if freebie. You want to pay yeah. more than. And uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, it's like, oh, what about this race? It's like, well, it's not a core race, so yeah, you're gonna have to pay like ninety nine cents or a buck fifty or whatever it is to add things to your account so that you can make characters. And honestly, I kind of like that because it's a little bit cheaper than buying a book that you only use three or four things out of that yeah. you paid more than 20 bucks for. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times you personally, Dave, have bought a book and then it's been kind of like, well, there's nothing in here that I can really use except for this part here, this table here, and there's a couple of good spells in the back, but I have. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, there, there's, there's some books I bought specifically for character creation, and the rest was fluff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely books that I've bought in for like 3.5 specifically uh, that I was like, yeah, these are going to be awesome, and then it's just like, Okay, so they needed to release a book. <laughs> and they just took a bunch of stuff from Dragon Magazine uh, from the 90s and updated it and called it new. Boo-hoo! Anyway, uh, things are done differently now, and I like what's being done. So enough of my commentary on the presentation side of D&D. Uh, but yeah, those uh, character generators, I dig them. All right, Dave, uh, do you have anything to say before we head off into that night? Nah, everybody have, a, have a, a great night. All right. You have a great night, Dave. And also remember, check the show notes, click those links, and find out how you can support the show. We've got a Patreon. We've got a direct link to PayPal. We've got sponsors that you can buy. Donner is having some really good deals right now. And also, I would have to say, check out Copper Cow Coffee. And uh, there's a Stone Ground chocolate company in there that you should check out called Taza. Uh, Stone Ground in Lovecraft Country. And uh, yeah, they've got some really good flavors. They don't use dairy. They use uh, vegetable-based milk instead, so mm. it's vegan. And yeah, yeah I'm not sure how they milk the vegetables. <laughs> That's got to be a trade secret. That it, well, the trade secret, honestly, is is they grind up the um, nuts or whatever you're using, oats or, and then, oh, sorry, did I 
Uh-oh, I said the O word. Goats could have heard that. And uh, then you fill up a bunch of water and you let it soak for a few hours and then you strain it and uh, some call for like adding uh, like guar gum or uh, like a xanthan gum or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I tend to make oat milk and uh, just water and oats. Yeah. <laughs> In a French press, uh, just like, and then I have oat milk. But yeah, so enough of that. Taza chocolates, Somerset, Massachusetts. Uh, we've also got stuff from Curvy Girl. We've got Golden Goat CBD gummies and uh, other stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're looking for a way to advertise on your website, on your podcast, whatever your projects are, your YouTube page, uh, why not go to Share Sale? That's where I get all my sponsors from and pass the savings on to you. You can find that. You can advertise your projects. You can advertise your website, your products, any of that stuff. So check out the show notes. And Dave and I will see you next time. Anything you want to say before we uh, head out into that night again? I said that before, no, but... Uh, yeah. Good night. Bye. Bye, everyone. All music by D.B. Spitzer. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio.